Hi, fam. We are really thrilled to share this interview with Rosa Schultz, who's Roxanne Paltoff's sister. Roxanne is the subject of season three, episode five of Disappeared. That's this week's episode if you're listening at the end of December. Roxanne Paltoff vanished on July 6, 2006, after spending a few days at a motel in Austin, Texas, with her boyfriend, Louis Walls. For this interview, Rosa shares updates on the case and what she thinks happened to her sister. If you have any information on the disappearance of Roxanne Paltoff, please call the Austin Police Department or 1-800-472-TIPS. In both places, you can give your tips anonymously. Okay, let's jump in. Hello, fam. Thank you so much for coming to this very special interview with the beautiful Rosa Schultz, who we all saw on the Disappeared episode and who we reference a lot of times in our Roxanne episode. She's coming to us from Austin with a seven-week-old baby. Is that right, Rosa? I guess eight weeks. Eight weeks. (laughs) And a four-year-old. I also have a four-year-old daughter. Oh, my gosh. The sleepless nights. Thank you so much for making time for us. Thank you for having me. I wanted to say right at the top, you have listened to our episodes and we just want the listeners to be assured that you have sort of signed off and like you get what we do, how we tell these stories and why we think it's important to use humor to sort of like keep cases like Roxanne's in the dialogue to keep yes. people talking yeah. about it. Yeah, because any and what happened to my sister, you know, happens still today. And so it needs to be talked about. And um, like I said, it's, it's going to be 15 years coming up this next uh, summer. So I, I just appreciate the opportunity that y'all are talking about her case again. And that's just that's more people knowing about my sister's case. So I'm, I'm very fortunate that, you know, people like you exist. So thank you. Oh my goodness. Well, you're going to make me cry. We've been doing this for two minutes and I'm already in tears. <laughs> he, he he cries he cries easily Rosa he cries easily um, what I did want to say Rosa has a lot of updates for us and we're kind of going to give her the floor about that Rosa we have a thing that we say on this podcast and it's called a down bitch and you are one of them yes. and a down bitch yeah. is basically is basically a ride or die no nonsense you, you've taken the reins on this case you and your family have worked tirelessly over the past 15 years to find out what's what's happened to Roxanne. So when we call you a down bitch, that is the utmost compliment. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'll take it that way. Thank you. Well, I'll just start us off. Rosa and I spoke um, off mic earlier in the week about things that she knows and things that have come up about the case. So what happened after the disappeared episode aired? What happened after that for you and your family? Um, well, immediately it just got Roxanne's uh, story in her case, international attention. So, um, you know, we get a lot of people on social media reaching out all the time, knowing about, you know, Roxanne's case and just send their sympathies and prayers. But if people are around the world seeing Roxanne's case, I know people in Austin are still seeing the case as well. And it also puts, you know, pressure on the, the police department. It's a it's a more of a well-known case. So it's, I'm very fortunate to have, you know, this opportunity with my sister because I know plenty of other families that have missing loved ones under even more ridiculous circumstances and they don't get any attention at all. So we'll talk a little bit about Lewis Walls. So Patrick and I have our own 
ideas and feelings about Lewis Walls and Jeffrey Moore. And they are still, to your knowledge, in the Austin area. Jeffrey Moore is in the Houston area. He's still in the Houston area. And Lewis Walls is, yes, still in the Austin area, in the same area, in the Runberg and I-35, where Roxanne was last seen. He's still in that same, like, area. Wow. Yeah. Has anything come out since the episode? Any meaningful connections between the two of them and what could have happened to Roxanne? Between, I can never find any connection besides this hearsay between Lewis and Jeffrey Moore. Um, From what Lewis says is that they, I guess, briefly met and Jeffrey Moore gave Lewis and Roxanne a ride. And Jeffrey Moore, he agrees that he just gave them a ride. So other than that, there's no connection that we've been able to find. So something that I found actually, Rosa, on one of your Facebook pages before we connected was something that you found on your own that investigators didn't about roaming charges that you found on Roxanne's cell phone bill. Can you kind of explain how you found that and what information you garnered from that? Yes, um, this was last year, um, beginning of 2019. And uh, out of curiosity, I've never looked at my sister's phone records uh, myself. So I told my mom, hey, if you have those phone records, can you send them to me? And she happened to have them like on an email. So she sent them to me immediately and I print, printed them out. And the first thing I noticed, like around the time that Roxanne went missing on the phone records, like the, the, the hours between she was supposedly missing, there was these charges right next to these um, phone calls and they're, they're Roman charges. I have about a month's worth of phone records. Um, before and after she went missing and only on the day she disappeared within that time frame there was these charges and they're, they're roman charges and uh back in 2006 um with t-mobile there was there was something called the home network area and if you left mm-hmm. the austin area you would then be uh, roaming then that's why you would have roman charges only on a few hours that you know she supposedly walked out of the motel room Roxanne's phone is shown to be roaming. She's the, the Roxanne's phone is not in the Austin area. And that's just, it, it's, it's mind-blowing because Lewis says that they were at the motel room the whole night and Roxanne right. left. Um, and he was there with someone else, like the hotel clerk or whoever he claims to be with. Um, so he's lying. And so now we have concrete evidence in the phone records that show Roxanne's phone was not in that area. And the area where the hotel is, that's considered in the Austin home area. It, the phone wouldn't oh, yes. have been roaming because of where they were at the motel. No. Have the police looked into these roaming charges at all? They did. They um, finally were able to get a search warrant uh, for historical data from T-Mobile. So they did all this proper steps and got everything approved and they were able to get historical data for Roxanne's phone records, but it's been too long. And as far as I know, there was nothing that they were able to get back as far as like what towers and um, cell phone data. So from what I've been told, it's been too late, too late to retrieve anything worthwhile. So. Something that like I have been thinking about since covering this episode is that weekend. So the story is Lewis and Roxanne were going to a motel together for a few days. And we learned in the episode that Roxanne called on that Friday to say she wanted to spend another night and that, that she hadn't initially been planning to spend that night. So my, my questions are, do like, A, are we sure that it was Roxanne that called? B, did she sound like she really wanted to stay another night or did she sound like she was being sort of coerced into staying another night and see was it 
normal for her, if she were going to storm out of the hotel room angry, would she have left all of her stuff behind? Was it normal for her to leave her phone and her purse and her debit card and just like storm out into the night? Okay, so that was a lot. So A, I think you asked. Um, <laughs> just give her one question at a time, poor thing. I know, I'm, I'm like, sorry. I had every answer. Um, uh, the first question was that. Uh, well, because it's it's one of those things where she went missing over a period of time where you guys hadn't seen her in a few days. So, like, the last known contact is her calling on Friday. But are we sure? I'm calling my mother. Her? So I'm yeah. sure it was Roxanne because she called my mother. Yeah. And, you know, my mom's positive that that's who she, she's never once even brought that up as doubting that was that Roxanne? She's never yeah. questioned that at all. Um, so that hasn't even been a thought. So we know that my mom spoke to Roxanne that day. And we had planned to go the next day to the outlet mall outside of town. So she was, I think we were making those plans. And she called Friday to kind of say, hey, I'm going to hang out one more night and I'll be there in the morning. So I I will ask my mom, like, if she thinks she's being, like, coursed or anything. But I remember asking her, like, did she sound out of it? Did she sound like she uh-huh. was, like, on something or, like, you know. But we've had that conversation. My mom said no. And then, like, was it normal for her to, like, like Storm guys- out? Yeah. Without her phone? Absolutely not because, no. Because, you know, of course, I can imagine 15 years later, I can, now I can, I'm taking on any what could have happened so I can see you know a woman storming out being so mad and leaving everything but I just can't see Roxanne doing that because she she was working two jobs and she had money in her bank like and she had that cell phone that and back in, in 2006, you know, you just couldn't get a cell phone because you wanted to. You had to have good credit. So it was a whole it was a whole application and it was with T-Mobile. And I remember she was being really proud of herself and having a cell phone. And Lewis, her boyfriend, did not have a cell phone. So um, and she had jewelry with her and her clothes and I and she paid for the hotel room. So I don't see her leaving her purse and her and her phone and uh, any kind of money and just storming out, you know. If she was going to storm and leave, she would have taken her shit and stormed off and called my mom, called whoever to come get her. She knew she had, and she could have, you know, called a taxi and gone home herself. You know, I don't see her storming off and just walking down the street to be picked up by someone else. And I've had this conversation with my my twin sister, Ronica, and we talked about, you know, what if Roxanne could have got picked up by, say, a truck driver? Because it is along the I-35 corridor and there is human trafficking and that could have happened. It it really could have happened to my sister but the likelihood and the probability of my sister Roxanne leaving one bad situation in the motel room to find herself in another worse situation it's just I don't I feel like something happened to my sister in that room and the narrative that Lewis was has been able to make that Roxanne left the room I want to take that back and you no know, we don't know that because clearly you're lying because I have these phone records yeah. showing that whoever had my sister's phone and you and he ended up with the phone. That's the thing. He had my sister's phone, and I want to say up to a week after her disappearance, and he he was steady using it like it was his. So he had the phone. The phone was out of Austin area for a couple of hours. Um, so yeah, that's all we have. And they don't have Roxanne doesn't have a vehicle, and Lois doesn't have a vehicle. So how how is this phone roaming? The thing that everyone stressed on the episode was you guys didn't like Lewis, right? I mean, yeah, my mom was getting a sense of what kind of, you know, boyfriend he was like, he wasn't honest. And he was like a bum. Like he was not having a job. He had two kids at the time. He wasn't working. My mom like even offered to help him 
to go get his driver's license and he just never wanted to help himself. He was just content with his lazy life. And my mom saw that. And of course we didn't know like the full truth. And it wasn't until after Roxanne went missing, we found his, um, his criminal history and his real age and like who he really was. That's how we, we found out about Lewis, you know, cause Roxanne was off and on with him um, for two years. She met him when she was 16. And so he must have been in his late 20s when he met Roxanne. But it, it's so frustrating that, you know, Roxanne, she was just barely, barely 18. And and she was just too young to be dealing with this adult predator who, who prey on girls like this. I'm here. I am 30 years old and I got to have my family and have kids and live the rest of my life. And she was just barely 18. Like, yeah, she was an adult, but she was still a kid. She was a baby. And she was with a terrible person that did not protect her, whatever happened to her. So, no, no, she never ran away. And she, I don't think she was in that kind of lifestyle that people like to portray as if she was like walking the streets or, you know, being a prostitute or anything like that. She was just too young and I think like she was playing with fire and, and like I said, it's been 15 years and someone knows what happened to Roxanne. Have you had beyond the phone records? Have you had any sort of like meaningful clues come up? I've talked to people uh, that, you know, it's all hearsay. And so when I, when, when I hear different things, cause I'm, I'm always constantly just kind of looking at Roxanne's case and trying to reach people. And I'm just brainstorming, like, what, what can I do to find Roxanne? And you know, what, what would help? Cause everything I find, it's all, it's all hearsay. And like, I spoke to the woman that was um, attacked by Jeffrey Moore in the motel room. And I, I got her side of, of the event. Um, and I, I spoke to different women that used to walk the streets that who, who've never seen Roxanne on the streets and who have encountered Jeffrey Moore and that, and that kind of content. And, and, uh, and I spoke to people who know Lewis Walls and I, and I know, I know this one lady, she actually catfished, um, Lewis just to try to get him to say something, you know, on social media. And I don't know, it's just, I, I do my own, like my little detective work and try to get clues here and there. And, um, no, nothing's concrete, you know, we don't have a body. So honestly, it's one of those things where you have to prove beyond a, route, a reasonable doubt that this person is actually dead. And then you can go forward. All we have is circumstantial, like phone calls and hearsay. And all, all we all we know is what Lewis said. Yeah. I was just going to say, if people have information, what, what should they do? Who should they contact? Oh, you can contact um, Austin Police Department because there's a new detective on her case. He, he's, he's open-minded to anybody who might have, have information. You know, if someone does have information, they can find Roxanne's page on Facebook and they can give me a tip through there. Or if they were to remain anonymous, there is different hotlines where you can leave a tip without speaking to anybody. You know... Something that Patrick and I are, uh, as you can tell from our episodes, very passionate people, and we always advocate for victims and victims' families, and we do sometimes get a lot of shit from people that were a little too hard on cops, a little too hard on people investigating, but this episode and Roxanne's story hit, Patrick and I both have daughters, and it hit us a little bit hard in the sense that we can't help feeling that your family was, is wrong to the right word, or do you feel that way? Yeah, I I do. I feel like where she was last seen, and she didn't look like a typical you know, you know, all American sweetheart, you know, white girl. She looked, and she was with a, a black man. 
So I feel like that stigma played a lot. You know, where she was last seen was crime-ridden. There's a lot of um, drug activity and stuff like that, and who she was with, who had, you know, a criminal history. So I feel like they dismissed her case as she got what she deserved type thing, you know? Like, what do you expect type thing, you know? And, um, yeah, they took way too long, I feel, in my opinion, to take it seriously. And the hotel room was never looked at or, as far as I know, have never been like that. I don't think they even lift a mattress or went into the room. I think they just kind of said, hey, it's been too long. Who knows who's been in and out of there? Uh, We don't even know which room it is. That's the sense that I've got that as far as they looked, you know. So by now, 15 years later, the hotel has been remodeled like fully remodeled. So I, I, I've, I've thought about going there just looking for myself, but you know, in every room is that, is this that kind of motel room where there's a lot of shady things that happen and weird stains on walls and just, yeah, it's really frustrating that, you know, there was one search early when Roxanne went missing and my mom put that together by like a, a with a volunteer firefighter department. So like anything that was like really done in the beginning was my mom. And like, as far as putting up flyers and, going out there like on foot and asking anybody if they've seen anything or heard anything and, you know, advocating like with the new, the like news outlets, it was all my mom. And, you know, she's the one who demanded the attention for Roxanne. And um, she was just so determined because this, this is her first baby, her, her grown daughter that would never cause this kind of agony to my family, you know, not on purpose. She never walked away or ran away. My mom immediately knew when Roxanne didn't come back, um, that something was wrong. Like as soon as my mom got that phone call from Lewis the next day, um, and we've talked about this. It's it's how he, how Lewis asked my mom on the phone. It wasn't, Hey, can I talk to Roxanne? It's, Hey, have you seen Roxanne? Like, it just doesn't make sense. 24 hours later, you don't feel, you think she should be home because you haven't done anything about her being missing. So when he called and asked, have you seen Roxanne? Then you knew um, Roxanne wasn't going to be home, you know? Yeah. Right. How's your mom doing? My mom's doing good. She moved outside the state of Texas and uh, we sold our family home. So I think that was able to help my mom kind of close that chapter in her life. It, it's been so long that um, it, it hurts my mom and it, it, it's taken so much out of my mom these last years, just um, being so open and vulnerable with her feelings and just, you know, begging to help bring her daughter home so I think you know she's close to my grandmother her mom and so they're they're having that time at the end of my grandmother's life together and just it's coming full circle that my mom is with my grandma and um you know it still hits my mom my mom still thinks about my sister every single day and she still you know shares on social media Ruxin's post and uh but it it, is just too much for one person to handle um I, I like I talked to my mom before I talked to y'all um, about, you know, everything and I'm going to do this podcast and I'm going to talk to the two people. And this is, I was trying to explain what a podcast is and, you know, <laughs> she was just, you know, just saying like, don't, don't forget to say it's going to be Rexon's birthday on January 3rd. And she just wants Aww. to be there and she can't. And it's just, you know, I, I want to be able to take that pain away from her and, 
And this is why I do it, because I want to be able to um, to ease my mom's heart. You know, we report on these cases and we as parents, we say time and time again, the thing that we hate is when there's no closure for the family. And if it's, you know, good news or bad news, at least just letting a parent lay their head down, knowing the answer. And I just that's what breaks my heart. And just hearing the pain in your voice and, see, you know, oh, I'm getting choked seeing your mom on that show. I mean, it's it's unlike anything. And, and obviously you've you've taken the torch from your mom to help solve this. And I know you're realistic. We spoke off mic about, um, you know, that she might not be here anymore, but you guys deserve answers. And what's so frustrating, obviously, to me as a spectator, but to you as, you know, someone who's lived it is that, you know, somebody knows. In my heart, I believe something happened to Roxanne that night. And that there's people that know what happened and people change, you know, 15 years is a long time. So hopefully they've have a new lifestyle now and maybe they have a different heart and they have courage to come forward now and, and, and get this off their chest and to, you know, give my mom, you know, a happy Christmas and, you know, my, and Roxanne a good birthday this year. If we were, if we're able to um, find her. Rosa, we just can't thank you enough. And just we're just so grateful for you and for your time. And please, please send your mother all of our love and all of our good thoughts from Patrick and I. And we have a, our huge network of our obsessed family that are just thinking about you and crossing our fingers um, for for some answers for your family. I sure will. I appreciate that. Thank you. Once again, if you have any information on the disappearance of Roxanne Paltoff, please call the Austin Police Department or 1-800-472-TIPS. That's T-I-P-S. In both places, you can give your tips anonymously. 